Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name's Chad Russell. That's Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. How you doing today, Kurt? Good, man. Doing super. We are a show for men, by men, talking about things from a man's perspective. And uh, we're going to talk today with Dr. Vaughn Walker and Dr. Chuck Tackett, both of those gentlemen at First Gethsemane Church. And we've been talking about race relations, and we've been talking about uh, you know growing up in the South and growing up in it's funny segregated Ohio. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we always think south of the Mason Dixon is where all the problems were, but we were just talking in the break that there's been at the time of this taping there's been some racial uh, violence in Minnesota. You know, start going north. So either way, wherever you go, you run into it and. Uh, and in full disclosure here, we're, we're going to talk on this bonus segment a little bit more uh, specifically about, uh, you know, West Louisville and, and talking honestly to the point of possible uncomfortableness here as me being I grew up in Shively for 28 years. I now live in Middletown. So I've lived on both ends of the extreme counties as far as east and southwest counties, you know. And so, um, and I work, I'm a realtor by trade, but I, I grew up working on Dixie Highway uh, and I do Meals on Wheels twice a month and my route is in Shawnee Park. That's been one of the greatest blessings in the past 16 years of doing that. So, but my point to it is you have to be intentional to get in your car to go if you're 30 minutes away where an area of town that you are not familiar with and the only time you see something in West Louisville, if it's on your TV station or your radio station or on social media, and you shake your head at it or you go, gosh, there's a lot of problems there, there's a lot of people that are indifferent to that and just don't care. I mean, there's a lot of people that says, you know what, that's their problem and not my problem. But there are also a large contingent of, of people in church and not in church, but we're talking to people who are, are Christ followers who are in church maybe right now and saying, okay, what do I do? And just recently, the past few weeks ago, Governor Bevan, whether you agree or disagree, he said, hey, we need to be in these neighborhoods praying in these neighborhoods. So we want to talk today with Dr. Walker, who mm-hmm. is a pastor for 30 plus years in West Louisville. Uh, what do we as white folks on the other side of the county or where, regardless of where you live, what do we do to help be a solution and not just somebody observing the problem? Well, and, and so, yeah, talk about that. Uh, Chuck, one of the things that you have done is you, mm-hmm. you said, I, I've got to use the skill set that God has given me. I've been mm-hmm. trained and equipped and prepared that, I, that I'm going to do. And, and intermingle, not intermingle, but um, live and breathe and invest my life into the African-American community. I, I think whatever your skill set is, whatever your giftedness is, um, in whatever community in which you live, I think you have the responsibility to utilize your skill set there. But I think you have to take your skill set and expand it out. Okay, I, I don't. I don't want to live my life where I'm just concerned about Jerusalem. Okay, I want to just continue to expand my life outwardly because I think that's what God wants me to do, and I think God wants us as believers to do that. So pay attention to Jerusalem, but also expand out what your ministry is going to be. So what I'd encourage the listeners to do is is whatever your skill sets are, whether they're whether they're skill sets by birth, whether they're skill sets. You know, giftedness by birth, giftedness by education, 
giftedness by life experience, um, whatever spiritual gifts you have, whatever other general skill sets you have, take those skill sets and utilize them here in Louisville. And you can begin with praying. You can begin by doing the prayer walking, and that's absolutely essential. But you have skill sets, you have gifts, you have abilities, and you need to take those abilities and you need to apply them in this community more than just what your job is. And so for me, as a licensed clinical psychologist who's very interested in marriage, I've got to take my skill set. I've got to take the things and the information that God's given me, and I've got to expand that into the African-American community. And for me, to, to have failed, to fail to do that would be sin for me, okay? And so I just felt that. And so years ago at the lunch that Dr. Walker and I had, and I was just sharing with him places that I've been, things have been going on, and we've been colleagues for a number of years at a certain locale. And, uh, um, you know, I, I just really felt I had to do that. I had to go ahead and take my skill set and, so, and apply it to the community. So when Dr. Walker invited me to join, and in a sense of being on staff, even though I'm not a member, it's like, okay, Doc. And I think what Dr. Walker took what four days for that to all happen. <laughs> Your member is better than mine. Okay. <laughs> we'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our second segment of Solid Steps Radio. I'm Chad Russell. That is Kurt Satter. We're here with Dr. Vaughn Walker and Dr. Chuck Tackett, both of First Gethsemane Church. Dr. Walker, talk with us about um, how, how do we bridge the gap? You know, Governor Bevan says we need, we need to pray. Last night, you took a group of people and you went to pray. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to be totally transparent, a group from our church decided that after hearing the governor that they were going to go pray. And this was probably the the fourth or fifth week. And uh, I had a conflict. I was on vacation. But I had no excuse not to go last night. And so uh, Park Hill is one of the very, very poorest communities in Louisville, in West Louisville. And uh, it was almost all women. We had one African brother. And I had prayed with them one night before on a Monday. They decided Monday would be the time that we'll walk Park Hill and pray. And that's what we did last night. We just walked all through Park Hill and prayed. Um, Every pastor who attended that session with the governor has basically said the same thing to me because I could not be there. I had a conflict. In fact, didn't find out about it till about less than 24 hours before the event. Uh, I have to be transparent and say I was a little offended that many pastors in the West End were never invited. And it was only when an African-American pastor found out that some of us had not been invited that he took to the airways and said, pastors, you need to show up. All right, and so that's that's the real story behind that. There was a select group of pastors invited, but probably some who were perceived to be more controversial or who wouldn't just just accept uh, what the governor was going to share, even with an African American as the lieutenant governor, uh, uh, they went. And this has been the universal response for everyone I've talked to. Everyone agrees that prayer is critical. We believe in the power of prayer. Mm -hmm. But prayer only 
is totally insufficient. So this group in our church, who some of them went that night, decided really on their own they were going to just go and pray. But what, what, what would I say to the governor? What am I hearing from these other pastors? First of all, some felt very insulted that the pastors who are working in these impoverished communities are not constantly praying and being constantly engaged with their community. They are. But the problem is um, we're always building bricks without straw, if you understand that biblical Mm -hmm. adaptation here, Mm -hmm. that you're struggling just to keep the doors open. Our people are unemployed or underemployed. Mm -hmm. Many single-parent households, some we understand the drug issues and all of that, um, but we need resources to help us change the community. Many now talk about the Ninth Street Divide in Louisville. I've talked to many Caucasians who've never been west of the Ninth Street. Of Ninth Street, you're a realtor. You've probably been there, but many of them don't ever go west of the Ninth Ninth Street, and so. What they, they have these perceptions is just the murder capital of Kentucky. Well, indeed, we had far, far too many murders. Most of them, I believe, are drug-related. Where are the drugs coming from? Who's supplying that to the community? A lot of men who are unemployed, why can't they get jobs? I mean, the Walmart situation there at 18th and Broadway, to have that thing stretched out and finally lost. We are so delighted that uh, uh, the medical, I can't think of the name of it now, uh, <laughs> Compass, mm-hmm. is that it? They're coming. Uh, the YMCA is building a new facility at 18th and Broadway. We don't have a decent grocery store in the whole West End. I, I live in Middletown, too. I live in Middletown because my wife and I, for a while, uh, with a realtor, try to find some housing in West Louisville. But we really couldn't find a place that we wanted to raise our family, even though we are very committed to the community. So what we are saying to the governor is, Governor, um, think about churches like First Gethsemane, and we're just one of many. We have after-school tutoring. We have coding. We have a summer camp with 70 kids in it. Uh, We have a daycare center with 50 kids. Uh, we're going to be one of the five churches with the Boys of Color Academy in West Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are putting our effort where our values are. We're not, we are praying. <laughs> we're praying over all of these things. Uh, but, you know, because my wife and I are both professional people, both have a doctorate, we have been able to attract some professional people. But professional people, African Americans in particular, I'm not going to drive from where I live, Middletown, and drive all the way 30 miles on Sunday morning when they have so many choices east. Well, not only are we losing their income as tithers, hopefully they're tithers, but we're also losing Mm -hmm. their influence, not just income, but influence, that young African-American children can see these African-American professionals 
as models, as role models, so they can aspire to be. My wife, I told you, was extre- came from an extremely poor environment. She has an EDD, okay? Um, she's the first person in her family to go to college. Uh, her mother died when she was 13. She does, she's never known who her father was, okay? But here she, here's a woman who's gone to college because a white women's club in Silver Spring, Maryland, found out that she was a stellar student, and they paid for her whole college education at a private school. God had it ordained for her to meet me there, you know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, she's indebted to women who never met her, who heard about her. Someone told them about this very poor child. And so here's my point. I would say to the governor, I appreciate your Christian witness, and surely we need persons who will speak for Christ at every level. But praying only is insufficient. You have all these churches that are trying to run all of these programs. We're writing grants and uh, you know, just doing anything we can do that is legitimate to keep these programs going with volunteers. Now, the tutoring program, we wanted uh, certified teachers because we needed to have people who had the credentials, had the background, that they could help these kids excel. And our tutoring program kids are excelling Mm -hmm. in the school system. Uh, I have a grandson at our summer camp we call Teen Kid, 70 kids. Well, we don't just have camp and just have camp. They they have tutoring every single day, mm. all summer for 11 weeks. Mm-hmm. They are having tutoring for three hours because we know that educational success has a lot to do with behavior in school, mm-hmm. okay, with maybe being that first person in your family to go to college and it changes the whole family forever. Mm-hmm. Not that everyone has to have a college degree. We know that not everybody's going to qualify that, but you need to have a trade. You, you need to have something, okay? And the statistics show a African-American male with a college degree only makes in lifetime earnings what a white male makes with a high school degree. Mm-hmm. And so we're preaching to our kids, as my parents preached to me, you don't need to be as educated as your white counterpart. You need to be better educated, okay? And so my parents who did not have college degrees, all three of their sons have college degrees. My one brother has a law degree. I have a Ph.D. My other brother's had a, a great career really with postal things. He's a hand guy, but he has, uh, you know, technology side, and I think my son picked up those genes. He sure didn't get it from his father. <laughs> and uh, But, I mean, I, we have excelled because our parents drilled that in us. That's what we're trying to say to the the governor, that part of turning this thing around is resourcing, not not a handout, but a hand up. Mm -hmm. It's resourcing people so they get the opportunity to accomplish that which uh, they would not accomplish on their own. You know, you say, well, go home and do your homework. Well, we found out that most of our kids don't have a computer at home school system is giving your homework on online. (laughs) Go down to the public library. One of my members told me this. One of the guys, a former principal who's running our tutoring program, 
He went down to the public library, and the kids were lined up four deep to get to a computer, not to play, but to do their homework. I believe that because we go to the public library pretty regularly yeah. and I'll, mm-hmm. we hop at different ones. If, if I see a book yeah. I want to get, I'll go get it. Every computer is filled. Right. Yeah. And most of them are African-Americans mm. and it's mm. just they're there, right? Because they don't have access to that. We yeah. wrote a grant. We just got 62 computers, 62 computers that we have in our com- kind of cu- computer lab that is portable. We pull it out. We have all the racks and everything for that because we're trying to find opportunities to help these kids keep up yeah. with the digital divide mm. okay they may have a cell phone which they can't afford uh, they may have a cell phone and, and, and these kids know technology mm. they, they know all of that but to be successful today uh, you, you've got to start this my, my six year old grandson can do stuff that I, I just hand him my phone <laughs> <laughs> Josiah, Fix just, just take Fix care it. of it, you know, at six years old, because that's his exposure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and that's that, that's we're not against the governor. That that's not. I think he misread the response. Uh, he he took it very negatively. Uh, I think guys were just saying, Governor, you can really help us. I mean, we we have a daycare center that's been open for twenty one years. We have that daycare because I read in the newspaper that there were $25,000 grants to start daycare centers uh, at that time in Kentucky, of course, a Democratic uh, governor at that time. And so I wrote the grant myself, asking for the $25,000, because I don't think our church would have invested $25,000 to buy baby beds and all of that. You know, a lot of startup startup costs, okay? But 21 years later, you know, we have a new star system, five stars, daycare we're a four-star daycare okay we are less expensive than almost any daycare you'll find in the area my my daughter trying to find daycare out east of town where she lives three hundred dollars a week our daycare is 150 okay Mm. because we can't price our people out Mm -hmm. okay and what we see our daycares we have made a penny we've made no profit that the church carries the custodial costs we don't charge them rent uh they don't pay you know everything we do we do to to support them but we provide jobs for people who would be unemployed we have a christian environment for kids Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay Uh, i happen to be blessed right now because uh, dr annette bridges who has her doctorate is running my daycare because right now she can't find a job she has an edd and can't find a job. She's applied for job after job. Maybe a little age discrimination. Discrimination has will discriminate against you for anything, you know, ball or hair or <laughs> gray or whatever. He'll get you, okay? Discrimination is, is an animal that just doesn't care, that takes no enemies, you know, takes no prisoners, rather. And so she has not been able to find a job. Super competent woman, okay? But she left Jefferson County, went someplace else, that didn't work out. When she came back, she couldn't get back into the mm. system. So she's running my daycare. We're running at a higher level than you would ever expect. And so we owe that. And she actually is the one who's leading the prayer group mm-hmm. because she was so moved mm. by the need to help our community because the last person killed in, 19, in, in 2016 was our member. Her son... Kevin, I won't call his last name, 
gave his life to Christ two weeks ago, and we had what we call Men's Day this past Sunday. Kevin, who is a tremendously gifted singer, led one of the songs in our men's choir. A two-week member whose mother was killed, we had her funeral on January 3rd, 2017, the last murder in Louisville, right around the corner from us. So yes, Governor, we agree. We need to be there and be visible and pray. And as I walked through that community last night, people would invariably say, oh, I know you, you're the guy on TV. Oh, I used to come to your church. Oh, my mother used to come to your church. And we kept saying, come. We didn't ask them for anything except come. Just come and and visit. Come and and let us minister to you, okay? And, And, you know, the school supply thing is we have to buy the supplies. Walmart helped us out, I'll be honest with you, when we did that 5,020 kids Walmart helped us out. Uh, Cosair Charities helped us out. When they find that you're doing something for the community, there are people mm-hmm. who will partner with us. Southeast Christian uh, has helped out a number of churches in the uh, West End. Mm-hmm. And, and what we just have to say to all groups who help, it must be not paternalistic. It must be a partnership. Yes. And mm-hmm. so that's I think that's a great part of of turning West Louisville around. Uh, There's some real efforts by numbers of churches and pastors, very underpaid pastors, very dedicated to their community. Uh, Yes, they want what everybody else wants. They want their kids to go to the better schools. Mm -hmm. They want to live in the safe environment. I I was brought under conviction once about, uh, you know, this witnessing in the streets and all of that. And I realized that I told my wife and daughters, don't open the door to strangers. But we were the strangers going to doors. <laughs> so why should we expect why should we expect people to graciously open our door to us? Because we're the strangers. I don't know who you are. You may be that witness group, you know, that goes from door to door. Okay? and we don't see them as Christians. And so our issue was we have to have some other strategies to reach the community. That cold turkey knocking on doors is not proving to be very effective in this generation. Yes. Okay? Because I told my wife, don't open the door. (laughs) Yeah. I bet you told your wife that, and your wife, (laughs) your wife, don't open the door to strangers. So we have, so it's, a term that a Southern Baptist guy really coined, a guy named Charles Roselle, First Baptist Church, Leesburg, Florida, he calls it ministry evangelism. Meeting needs to share Christ. So yes, Governor, we need to pray, that's a need. But we also need to meet some of the other kinds of needs so we can win the privilege to share Christ with those in that community. We'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio.